are Locked on Wild, your Minnesota Wild every day. We are part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Hello, my name is Joe Booley from ZoneCoverage.com, and I will be guiding the ship tonight, and hopefully I don't steer us into the mighty depths of the Atlantic Ocean like the Titanic. So hopefully you stick around with me today as as I start your week on a Monday. And uh, I kind of continue with sort of the fallout from the Bruce Boudreaux firing. Uh, if you didn't listen already, and I'm sure if you're a Wild fan, you know this, but the Bruce Boudreaux was dismissed Friday morning. Um, yeah, Friday morning. We had our emergency podcast. Please go back and listen to that. But uh, really, like, we saw the uh, the first game without Boudreaux, and um, it didn't go well. Uh, Dean, Dean Evison obviously took over be, as uh, from assistant coach to uh, head man behind the bench at, 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 for the Wild. They uh, they laid an egg that that they absolutely laid an egg against the um, the San Jose Sharks on home ice in a two to nothing loss. And I'll tell you what, this team has a tendency and has had a tendency for a very very long time. This predates Boudreaux, predates Evison, predates Parisi and Suter. It goes all the way back. And that's part of the kind of the team that this team has been for, for years. They are, they allow themselves to get caught up into these low scoring affairs, especially against teams that they absolutely should be better than as well as better goaltending than. And because they have issues scoring from time to time in these little spurts and actually, you know, for franchise, it's actually longer spurts. They run into these situations where they allow themselves to get caught up into a 50-50 game, whereas the game goes along against a bad team, you are more prone to letting a fluky goal or a bad bounce or an official to impact the game. And that's exactly what happened on Saturday night against the San Jose Sharks at the XL Energy Center. A fluky bounce kind of off the chest region of, uh, of Gambrell of the San Jose Sharks bounces in past Alex Stalock, and that that's all she wrote. Uh, the, the Sharks added an empty net goal, and the Wild, after putting on 39 shots, certainly didn't feel like they put that many on, and um, they uh, they come away losing, you know, Dean Evison's uh, first game as Wild head coach. Um, so it wasn't pretty. It wasn't great. I know there's a lot of hand-wringing about it, Um People are still uh, trying to make sense of the firing, um, trying to figure out what exactly happened. And ultimately, uh, I don't believe that this was really Boudreaux's fault. I-, I listened back to the comments from Bill Guerin on Friday when he talked to the media, and I don't get the feeling like Guerin's holding Boudreaux's feet to the fire as this is really his fault. I still feel like Guerin came in as new GMs are wont to do, and they're going to make a change regardless of how good or the standing of that goal that uh, that coach is behind the bench. Ultimately, the Wild has and have s- serious goaltending issues right now. They have issues where uh, they've got a second line that has been damn near non-existent since the uh, Jason Zucker trade. And they've got a... Um, a situation where players are uh, are inconsistent at best. We've still got a lot of young players, and young players tend to be volatile. We certainly would like them to be more consistent, but that's just the nature of being young players. 
And then we've got NHL vets who seemingly play as volatile as the young players. And that's the maddening part of the Minnesota Wild. I don't believe this is Bruce Boudreaux. I think what he got out of this team to this point, to even get them even on the cusp of the playoff bubble, was one hell of a coaching job. I don't feel like this was ever his fault, and I don't feel like Garen was trying to make it Boudreaux's fault. At the same time, you got to think, like if you're looking to make the postseason as publicly as much as uh, Bill Garen says so, why wouldn't you go with a with a goal a coach that's got one of the highest winning percentages, uh, actively and really actually in the NHL since uh, Scotty Bowman? I think he's what third. I think Boudreaux's third on the list of uh, of coaches in in points percentage or win percentage. So th- uh, we talked about this on Friday, but the timing certainly felt weird. Garen says that he felt like it was the right time, and this isn't the first time the Wild have let go a coach. We talked about Mike Yo, but. What was weird is I even went back to the final press conference of uh, of Boudreaux, and it certainly didn't seem like a coach that had any sort of inkling or any uh, any notion that there was going to be any any type of move coming forth. When you listen back to the Mike Yo press conference the day that he was fired, and he added that uh, that comment about how he's not quitting this team and this and that, it certainly felt like a guy. I mean, we felt that the the tension was palpable that day. That, that Mike Yo was fired. And cer- uh, certainly enough, I mean, I think we were already halfway through our articles when the news hit that, that Mike Yo was fired. This took everybody by surprise. I think it took the players by surprise. But what I liked about what Bill Guerin said in his press conference is out, he's also looking to hold the players accountable. So I'm wondering if there was a situation where Boudreaux kept leaning on his veteran guys, his guys that have been around in this league for forever. And Garen feels like maybe in order to get the best development out of some of these players, that we just need to get the best players on the ice for that game and not so much going back to the well. I think Russo also echoed this sentiment in his article as well. But uh, but that's what you kind of get from the Garen press conference on Friday. And I'm going to kind of continue to dive into it. Uh, I, there's a lot of Twitter fallout. And I'm going to continue to kind of go through some of the, the last few games, the last few seasons, because um, there's a lot of people that think that uh, Zach Prezi has uh, canned another coach. And I, I'm just going to tell you that that is definitely not the case. So I'm going to get into that in the next segment. And I hope you stick around. This is Locked on Wild. Welcome back to the show. It's Joe from ZoneCoverage.com here on Locked on Wild. Uh, guiding the ship here. I'm going solo. A lot of the Twitter fallout on Friday, it didn't necessarily come from Wild fans, although there was a lot of them out there. I know a lot of you were out there thinking the same thing, but uh, I saw it from national people as well from across the league that, yeah, Zach Parisi has also uh, caused another coach firing. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter did not do this. It's asinine. To say such a thing. Sorry, now I'm going to put my soapbox away, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you go to the 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 season leaders, I'm just going to pull up ESPN right now because uh, they're an easy site to read and pull up real quick. Point leaders. You've got Zach Parisi at goals at 21, Ryan Suter with assist leads at 32, and 
both Preezy, Suter, and even Eric Stahl are all within the top four of this team in terms of points. Parisi did not quit on Boudreaux. Ryan Suter did not quit on Bruce Boudreaux. It's asinine to think so. And if you think so, you got your head up in where the sun don't shine. It's, it's ridiculous to even come up with that notion. It, it certainly might have happened more with like Mike Yo, but it didn't happen with Boudreaux. And I'm going to go through this here. Ryan Suter, the last three years, points per game, uh, going back to 17-18, uh, was um, .654 points per game. In 18-19, a .573. This year, Ryan Suter has a points per game of .684. That is by far the highest points per game average the last three seasons for him. He's got seven goals, 32 assists, and that seven goals is only two shy of his career high, at least with Minnesota. In fact, I think if you go back to his Nashville days, I don't think he's gotten any more than that. Ryan Suter certainly didn't quit on this team. He certainly didn't quit on Bruce Boudreaux. He went out there, and he's having one of, a, one of the quietly best seasons of his career. His career high in points is only 51. He's not that far away from it. In fact, I'm sure he's on pace to actually break that. Ryan Suter did not quit on Bruce Boudreaux. Zach Parisi. Admittedly having a, a slightly a tougher year, but when you look at some of the, his line mates, they've all been different and, and certainly going down the uh, the rabbit hole a little bit with um, with Parisi. You know, his assists are down, so that, that helps to diminish his, his, um, his overall points t- total as well. But points per game, 17-18, .571, admittedly a, a tough year. 18-19, he had a, a really great year with .824. And for 19-20, a .632. Certainly not the best year in the last three years, but definitely not the worst. I don't think Preezy is quit on, on Bruce Rudrow. And to say that Preezy got another coach fired is, is it's, it's very stripped to see crowd. It's asinine. It's dumb. You speak when you speak like that, it comes off like you don't really know what you're talking about. These guys are professionals. Preezy has 21 goals on this season with 15 assists. He's on pace for 30 goals this year. That's not quitting on a coach. Certainly he could be better. He could be having a better season. But that's not quitting on a coach. Eric Stahl has been has had his career pretty much resurrected under Bruce Boudreaux. He's admittedly having a really tough season. Certainly not anything close to what he had in the previous three years of his contract. The thing all in common with these guys, they're all over 30 years old. Mine was to be expected. 35-year-old players do not lead teams to cups. They're usually a part of it, but they're not the leaders. Ultimately, this team needed to have a lot of things go right 
go perfectly to make even the wild card in the Western Conference. They're even lucky at this point that the Western Conference is so weak to even be even close to the playoff bubble as they are. Kevin Fiala has shown up and played really well. Jules Eriksson has been a two-way player dynamo in the making. Is he Miko Koivu yet defensively? No, not really. Is he Patrice Bergeron? Eh, probably not. Uh, it's pretty. It's, it's definitely not. But he is in the making to be a very fine player. If you want to look at players that haven't stepped up so much, I'm going to point to Luke Cunning and I'm going to point to Jordan Greenway. They show flashes of real brilliance, but not enough consistently. I'm going to leave Ryan Donato out of this because I think if you get him some more minutes, that kid's going to shine. I know Tony wrote an article about this in The Athletic about given the opportunity as the second-line center during Miko Koivu's absence earlier in the season that he shined. He, he filled in mightily, admirably. And he was playmaking. He was scoring. He was skating with speed. He was impacting the game. So I'm going to leave Ryan Donato out of this because I don't believe he's a fourth-liner. Matt Zuccarello, beloved in New York Rangerland. He's got, uh, I, I know he's uh, just on the outside of that top four that I listed. He's got 30 points on the season. Certainly we expected his assist numbers to be a lot higher. You know, four, if we got the 14 goals out of uh, Mikhail Granlin at this point last season, I think we'd be happy with that because you knew Granlin's assist numbers were going to be much higher. I'm going to point to him, and he's here for the next, what, three, four years? I think it's, I think he was kind of five-year contract, so after this it would be four years. I don't believe this team quit on, on Bruce Boudreaux. I believe that this team did not have a, enough talent to win for Bruce Boudreaux. They're too inconsistent. They Yeah, Garen admittedly said on his press conference that when they play well, they could beat anybody in the league, and certainly they can. But they also are bad enough to lose to the crappy San Jose Sharks at home and get shut out by one of the worst goaltenders in the league. You think goaltending for the Minnesota Wild have been bad? Look at what Martin Jones and Aaron Dell have done for the San Jose Sharks. And you're going to be happy that we've got Devin Dubnik. And they get shut out 2 nothing. It was their first shutout as a team in 2019-2020 season. Awful. And that was under Dean Evason. I'm going to get into more about Dean Evason uh, in the next segment. Um, because after one game, whew, there's a lot to be uh, desired there. And this may not be a Dean Evason thing, but... There's one major thing that absolutely is troubling about what Dean Evison did. So, this goes back to Garen. This is now Garen's team. This is no longer a Chuck Fletcher slash Paul Fenton team. Certainly, he's got some players left on there, but Bruce Boudreaux was inherited. Now he's not. When he gets the new coach in this year, it'll be Garen's coach. When he makes more trades, it'll be Garen's players. Every GM ever that has taken over for a team 
goes through this inherit these players that they inherit and they have to make moves. This is going to be the most trying situation for, for Bill Guerin going forward. And, but I got to say this right now that Zach Parisi, Ryan Suter did not get Boudreaux fired. It sounds to me like there was uh, a number of things leading up to this. Um, perhaps some differences on, on, on player deployment and maybe accountability things, but it wasn't because Parisi went to the GM or the owner and said, ah, "I can't, I can't play for this guy." Or Ryan Suter is whispering into Craig Leopold's ear and, and saying he can't play for the guy. That's asinine, and you need to drop it if that's what's coming out of your mouth around the water cooler at work. I'm going to catch my breath. I'll get into the next segment, and I'll talk about uh, Dean Evison's debut here on Locked on Wild. Welcome back to Locked on Wild. I'm Joe, your host, and uh, no Tony today. He uh, had some had some uh, things come up and uh, couldn't join today. Uh, some quick uh, little um, housekeeping items. Uh, please, uh, we got a mailbag. Uh, we just put out for a mailbag on Twitter. You can also send mailbag questions into our inbox. Just go to LockedOnWild at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be happy to answer those questions on the air. Also, uh, those, keep those Twitter questions coming in. Friday, I know we didn't get to our listener's choice segment because of the the breaking news about Bruce Boudreaux, but this is the last full week before the NHL trade deadline. I know you've got burning questions, so please get those in. Uh, listener's choice segments as well. Please get those in. All right. Now, getting back on task here, Dean Evason is now the wild interim head coach, uh, appointed by Bill Guerin on Friday. And he had his first game behind the wild bench against the San Jose Sharks. I talked about it in the first segment. Bad game. Just an awful, awful game. Completely laid an egg on home ice. And it certainly isn't the type of response that I think Bill Guerin was hoping for. Now that said, there is... There, there's things to be said about, okay, yeah, the, the the team probably looked flat because, one, they were playing up against a bad team, thought maybe they could probably come in and, and just uh, go through the motions and, and get out there with a win. You can't do that in the NHL. We all know that. Something's got to happen there. The coach probably should have done a better job of, of hyping up his guys and getting them ready to go. Although he said that prior to the game, their energy was great. So it's weird. Some. Professional sports and just sports in general are weird. Sometimes you can think that everything is going great and then it you're just dumbfounded and surprised and then you lose 2 nothing on home ice. Now, another contributing factor is obviously like, it, you know, the, the team just went through a big trade last week. They also just lost their head coach. They probably certainly feel uh, responsible. At the same time, I don't feel like there's a huge excuse. That said, knowing all of this... Dean Evason put in a tough spot, but if there's one thing, one solitary thing that absolutely drove me nuts on Saturday's game was that there was no line juggling going on. Much of the press conference with uh, Bill Guerin was ballyhooed about, eh, you know, in tighter games, they want uh, to, to better deployment of certain players who certainly are feeling at that game. Eh, maybe that's a little conjecture on Michael Russo's part, but at the same time, it's expected. Maybe you probably play the hot hand for for you know the games as as it, as it goes along. Dean Evison did not make any line changes, and I'm just going to say this: like 
That second line of Luke Cunning, Alex Galchenyuk, and Matt Zuccarello has not been good since it was assembled. I was extremely surprised that Ryan Donato did not get elevated. I thought maybe you could mix some things up with uh, the Fiala line because uh, I thought uh, Fiala, even though he's played a little less since his, his hot streak, he's cooled off mightily. I don't think that Parisi has been particularly good, and I think Stahl has been tough uh, as well. They've had their their moments, but I don't feel like that they put it together consistently enough. I think on the rush, it's tougher for them because Fiala is the guy that wants to go on the rush, and I don't think the other two can really keep up. That's not a quitting thing. That's just a uh, an age thing. So back to back to Saturday's game where the the Wild let in a fluky goal, and I think they got about I don't know. Seven to ten minutes. I forget exactly where in the game where that goal was scored, but it's it's roughly in that that range. Plenty of time. Everson does not make any changes to the lineup, and I don't know if this was directed by the higher ups in uh, in Bill Guerin and in his uh, in his front office staff, or if this was a conscious decision that Everson made. Maybe not unsure of what to do. Maybe trying not to uh, to piss anybody off on the bench keep them in their roles and just kind of keep rolling them. Yeah. If you look at their, uh, their, their five on five Corsi that game they're they dominated against the sharks. They're plus 28. They also had 39 shots to, I think, uh, I think the, um, the sharks is total of 21 to, to end the game. Again, they didn't have enough scoring chances in the high danger areas. If you go go back to the Vegas Golden Knights in all situations, when they won four nothing, the Wild had twelve high danger chances. It fell to ten against the New York Rangers. They should have won the game against the New York Rangers, and I'm not going to say that that's not a thing. They absolutely should have won that. High scoring danger chances fell to seven, and you say, "Well, that's just a difference of three. It's a difference of three against a putrid Sharks team." Eric Carlson was 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 scratched due to injury prior to the game. Uh, Aaron Aaron Dell and Martin Jones, Martin Jones, who was the starter, has a sub nine hundred save percentage. You have to get into the dirty areas and score on that goaltender. It's unacceptable. And I get maybe the lines just aren't jiving anymore. So that happens. Sometimes chemistry gets stale. But to never make a change, why not put Erickson up, Erickson up there in between Parisi and Fiala? Why not try to get stalled down to see if Gal, you know, put a better center than Luke Cunning next to Galchenyuk and Matt Zuccarello? Maybe, certainly, you know, Koivu has been fairly good in a defensive role. But move him up between Greenway and and, uh, and Folino. Something. Move your centers around. Move your wingers around. I don't care. But you know you can't afford to lose that game if you are indeed looking to get to the postseason. If you are supposed to be this new voice that uh, that Bill Guerin has appointed. You have to make changes. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for the hot hand. If this is your audition to uh, potentially get the wild head coaching job. 
I don't think it's going to happen. But if this is Dean Evison's audition to the league with a plethora of head coaching positions available. Sorry, night one was a failed audition. And by not changing the lineup, by not trying to make that second line more impactful with Alex Galchenyuk. I mean, I get Alex Galchenyuk probably isn't here for the long haul. She's probably going to be an unrestricted free agent. There's going to be no re-signing him. But you got to try to make him succeed. Perhaps, maybe, just maybe, you get something out of him for this final week before the trade deadline. And Garen's able to flip him for yet another asset. Not not that the coach necessarily worry about that, but he should worry about making sure that his players are in the best possible position to succeed every single night. And that didn't happen on Saturday. It was a lackluster game. There was no excitement. Everybody was clearly dealing, you know, thinking about Boudreaux on their minds. But that is no excuse for just refusing to change up the power plays, change up whatever to get a spark in that building and get going. All right. I've ranted enough. And I'm sure Tony's going to come back on, uh, on Tuesday when we do our mailbag. And uh, calm me down. But uh, I just, uh, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, it's all mixed messages right now, and I can't really tell you what's going on. But last week before the trade deadline, there's a lot of action expected to be happening here for the Minnesota Wild, and I hope you stick with us through the trade deadline as well as the rest of the season. If you liked today's show, by the way, you can always follow me on Twitter. At JoeBoo15. Follow the uh, the Lockdown Wild podcast. Just go to at Lockdown Wild. You can also follow all my work on uh, on zonecoverage.com. That's going to do it for today's show. And if you liked today's show, please hit subscribe so your device sends it to you every time there's a new episode without having to do any work. Please leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast service you use. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter. Like I said, just look up at Lockdown Wild. I also mentioned at the top of this segment, you can also get in touch with us via email. Your mailbag questions, your just want to correspond with us, drop us a line, say hi. Tell us how much you like us, how much you don't like us. I don't care. Feel free to send us an email, LockdownWild at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Lockdown Wild, and be sure to check us out every Monday through Friday because we are a daily wild podcast. I believe we're one of the only ones in this market that'll cover Minnesota Wild topics on the daily for you. And when you listen to us every Monday through Friday, it allows you to stay on top of everything revolving around your Dean Emerson news every day.